0: God's grace, his mercy, his peace are yours through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who is living water for our thirsty souls. Amen. I, I don't know really know how it happens, why, why it happens, why we do what we do. There's so many examples in Scripture and beyond maybe in our own lives of what happens when you try to become your own solution when you decide to depart from what God's Word says and, and you think that somehow or other you can turn this around and sometimes it leads to you just continuing to sin and then compounding that with another sin or, or lies. Sometimes maybe it's just surrounding yourself with other people that won't condemn you or say anything to you. We call them friends or associates and, and so you live. And continue to do things that in your heart of hearts are causing a rift between God and you, and you know it, but on you go. It's hard to live that way, right? It was hard for, for a woman that Jesus went to in a small little town called Sychar and met her in a most unusual circumstance and talked to her when he shouldn't have culturally. Now, I, I think you know what life in a small town is like. If you haven't lived it, you maybe have heard about it. You know, in a small town, in a small little village, it's, it's nice to have that kind of community, right? Because everybody knows everybody. When things are needed, you know that, and you help each other in times of need. It's, it's like extended family, and that's a good thing. But there's another side to it, too. In a small town, not only does everybody know everybody, but everybody knows everything about everybody. And there can be the rub, right? In a small town. Maybe you've never really lived in that small of town and you've lived in bigger bigger cities. Maybe you're new to this, well, I'd say smaller town. So you've enjoyed some anonymity. You can kind of do your own thing in and out of grocery stores without even talking to anybody down aisle three. But in a small town when everybody knows everybody and, and everything about every, everybody, When things happen that are noticed, that are sinful, it gets talked about. It's hard to hide when when something becomes public, and that's the situation here. And when people get together and they start talking, you can't help but to say, Did you hear? And the, the ears go, No, what? Well, I shouldn't say anything, but dot, dot, dot but don't tell anybody because you really shouldn't be gossiping, but then the next person comes and says, oh, did you hear that so-and-so, I don't care where it happens, sometimes it's even in the classroom or in family gatherings or wherever, and I don't know how it happened with this woman, we're not given the details, but, but somehow or other she had been in multiple relationships, and when did that first relationship happen? Maybe when she was younger, she just realized that her sexuality was a powerful thing, and she really loved the attention, and knew, knew how to get it, and that first marriage, it seemed so great, the I do's were said, but it failed miserably, but then round two, was this another guy, and this wasn't going to be repeating the same mistakes, no, not going to do that again, and the I do's were said, and, and, and then soon it failed again, and And again, and she tried to solve this thing called life, these problems she had, these things inside. Was it loneliness? Was it to avoid the shame she thought another husband would would bring back a good name to herself? In a small town, it's hard to hide when you do stuff like that. When then you become involved in other people's lives too, when you have this big S inscribed on your chest, the scarlet letter S, and it didn't stand for Samaritan, sinner. So it doesn't surprise us that she arrived at the well at a time that no one else would go to the well. We're told at the sixth hour, which is high noon, it's the heat of the day, and people didn't gather there. There's always a place that people gather, right in a small town, is the cafe, is at the bar, is at the grocery store. They get together, talk about how's the day, and then they talk about all the things going on, and it was the well in these small towns. Everyone needed water. And they would gather in the evening, usually 6 pm when it was cool, and they could gather enough water for the evening and the next day they didn 't have to battle the heat and so this woman who maybe thought that it didn 't matter what people thought it, it didn 't matter what people were saying in the town she was just being true to herself and following her own path, and she convinced herself in her own mind that these things didn 't bother her but They must have, because she shows up at the well thinking no one would be there. So she wouldn't have to see the stairs and and recognize the whispers. She would get the water she needed and go back home without anybody there to do any judging. And runs into this man that she soon realized was very different. She recognized him as a Jew, obviously, maybe the way he dressed. He wasn't from around there where everybody knew everybody and then he started to talk to her and she had to almost correct him socially saying um do you understand who i am i'm a a samaritan you're you're a jew and we don't we don't communicate with each other that's not accepted we we understand that and he had a simple request he didn't look away from her he didn't stand with his nose turned up or or ignore her and walk away because he was in proximity to her maybe what she expected or was, was used to. And he asked her for something simple. Can I, can I have a drink? I, I'm, I'm thirsty. And she noticed he had nothing to draw the water. And, and, and so he, he began a dialogue with her, speaking to her in a way that she had not been spoken to. Notice he was talking to her, concerned for her, not talking at her or behind her back. And the dialogue kept on, and Jesus was nudging towards that which is spiritual, which is really where he wanted to go. He cared for her in a deeper way than just a cup of water and and how her day was going. The chit-chat moved over to something more serious, and he made her an offer. See, He wasn't there to get something from her like the other men in her life. He was there to give something to her like no one could give her in life. And he started to talk about this water, and this is what he said, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. And then he talks about this water I give will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life, and she in her mind thought this would be outstanding. You know how hard it is to go and get water every day, and it's this laborious thing, and then I go and have to face the people that are there and they judge me and if I could have water that that would be a a spring of of, of life that I wouldn't have to come to this well I could do something different give me this water I want this water this would be a good thing and Jesus says, sure you can have this water but first go back and get your husband and bring him back and let's talk well she replies "I, I don't have a husband and Jesus says you're you're right in fact, you do not have a husband now. You've had five husbands before, and this current guy is just someone you're, you're shacking up with. Ouch, right? Here she thought this guy was, was different. This guy was concerned, and then he goes back to the, to the very thing that made her go to the well at an untimely part of the day and start bringing that up that... She didn't know that the way she was acting, what she was doing, was was a problem. That she, just in her heart of hearts, thought that her life was wasting away its purpose, its value. See, trying to find things in and, and people and relationships and it just wasn't there. But Jesus continued to push. You see, this is what Jesus does. He comes and points to the problem so that we understand that we and our actions are not the solution. We can't be. Jesus really said this to her to make something very obvious and and spoke to her and cared enough for her and loved her enough to say, here is the problem between you and your God. What you are doing is sinful. And it departs from what you know, just even socially, but what God says specifically. You see, Jesus records this for us today not so that we can say, thank goodness I'm not like that woman at at Sychar. Not at all. If you spend any time in God's Word and read what it says, you'd realize that Jesus isn't just talking to this woman, but he's talking to you and he's talking to me. And he's very clear, even when we talked about the second and third commandment today, What is it that you do? What is it that you are trying to ignore and and convincing yourself is okay? What is the people that you surround yourself with aren't talking about, maybe behind your back, but never do you as you continue on and you know it's wrong? It's just that you've just numbed yourself. You put the blinders on, you think it's okay, I still go to worship, I still say I'm sorry, but then I go right back to this, or that, what is it that Jesus is pointing to today? Is it an addiction? Is it living in a way that God says, no, doing things and acting in ways that God shudders at? What is it that Jesus says, this is separating you from your God, and you know it? But Jesus doesn't come here point fingers at you or this woman. Instead, he comes to point a finger at himself. You see, Jesus comes not to take something away or to make your life miserable, but he comes to to give himself and, and to maybe take away something that you've been hanging on to and says, bring it, bring it to me. And they, they go back and forth bantering about places of worship and Proper worship and coming from the Jews and and welcoming to the Gentiles and all this, but finally it comes not not down to where you worship, but who you worship. She knew the Messiah was going to come and and that he would explain everything to her, and, and Jesus reveals something incredible to her at that moment. He says to her, I am he. I have come not to be some kind of political hero, no, I've come to be Savior. And what that means is what you can't do, what you can't solve, give it to me. I want to take what what you have done and, and all that you have done, and I'm going to bring it into myself so that I can go and become this sacrifice that God will accept. To take it all to a cross where God would punish all that is wrong and give you back everything that is right so that you can have living water for your thirsting soul. Isn't that what Jesus came to do? And that's hard work, isn't it? To point to someone that you love and say, there's there's a problem. But that's what we do, right? We do this to the person we love because we know that the hurt leads to saving. So we point the sin out and say, hey, what you're doing is separating you from your God. Turn to Jesus and give him the sin. He'll take it away and all the baggage and guilt that accompanies it. And does the same for you comes to you personally and does that exact same thing and he did it for this woman too she didn't, she didn't come to the well that day expecting anything different than any other day she came to go through the motions of life and she received far more than she anticipated because in this meeting with Jesus her savior she got to have her sins put on someone else's shoulders and when you do that, when Jesus takes the sin away, that means that, that the past is forgotten. That, that the present has a purpose. That there is fulfillment in life that even goes beyond what, what we think we are achieving and doing, and, and our hope, that, that's, that's eternal. And, and that's the same thing Jesus does for you today. You confess the sins. We, we do that every Sunday, right? And Jesus says, they're mine now. They have come into me. And you leave here refreshed with the supper he's about to give. You leave here refreshed, having drinking, drinking from a well that is unlike any other well. You come with, with baggage gone, the past forgotten. The present is, is clean and, and your purpose is whole. The power comes from the Holy Spirit and, and your hope is, is eternal. Isn't that just like Jesus? reveals himself to be the Savior, to be your Savior, give it to him. Give it to him. All that you have, all that you've done, let him take it away and be that Savior. Because that's what he does. That's what he came to do, that's what he does, that's what he will continue to do until he brings you to where he has planned a real life, a purposeful life, a whole life an eternal life with Him. This is Jesus. Jesus is living water for your thirsty soul. Drink deeply. Amen.